Welcome to Pili, Raul, and La Musica, supported by Sure Microphones and Jack Daniels. For more information, follow us at Pili, Raul, and La Musica. She is my woman crush. She's truly talented. Raul, do you want to say something about Francisca? Besides the fact that she owns your heart. She has for many, many, many years. She's a sweetheart. And yeah, she's a fashionista. She's a uber talented songwriter. She's a poet. And she's classically trained. She's an amazing musician. And it's just one of those artists that we've championed and we've admired her since day one. So she's come a long way, right? Please welcome, with a big round of applause, Francisca Valenzuela. Hola, welcome. And it's not just the blush? No, you make me blush from the heart. Welcome, Francisca. Good to see you again. Hola, good to see you guys. Hola. Hey, everyone. ¿Cómo están? By the way, I love these mics. You know, Michael Jackson recorded with these mics. Really? Yeah. Oh, ah. Music trivia there. Music trivia. You know, us who like mics. No? Eso. <laughs> SM7, SM7. Hey, by the way, Hola, are. buenas noches. It kind of sounds like si se puede, si se puede. <laughs> SM7, También equally SM7. relevant. Yes, right? Francisca, we've... Sí. Welcome again. Muchas gracias. We love having you here. Gracias por la invitación. Thank you for the invitation. Sorry, I'm going to switch... With Pili, I sometimes don't notice if I'm speaking Spanish or English. Tenemos como lo bilingüe. I never know. Me encanta, me encanta. Thank you for the invitation, guys, and, and for having me. I love this space. I love hanging out with you, talking with you. Thank you for that amazing introduction. Girl crush, see. Sí. Girl crush, yee! <laughs> so you were actually born in California, uh -huh. in San Francisco, sí. right? Yes. And then about when you were 11 or 12, you moved back to Chile. Francisca yes. is from Chile. Así es. Which is in... South America, in case your <laughs> geography is not very good. I, I, I mean, it's good to clear it up. I once in here in... Uh, you mean that's not Mexico? Exactly. I got oh. that. I've gotten that many times before, actually. Como, ah, and which part of Mexico is that? I'm like, no. <laughs> it's Mahabajito. Yeah. Mahabajito. So you were raised biculturally. Yes. Yes. And were you raised by a family of artist because <laughs> I believe that you started writing and you became a poet at the very tender age of like 12 see si. uh, no my family uh, they are actually not artists or musicians they are scientists and professors so I am very very lucky because they're amazing I, I have I got la loteria con mi familia verdad I como tú everything I am is because they they've made me no and and they've worked so hard and they're amazing and they've supported me throughout everything and they have the drive the passion and the curiosity I think that's what really all of us no matter what we did always felt um, so they don't do art or music but they appreciate it very much and they've been super supportive and yeah we were here in California until I was like 11. They came in the 70s, my parents to California. And then uh, my older brothers, who are como primera generación, first generation, they stayed here in the US. So they're like fully gringo, así hablamos en inglés. We talk in English. <laughs> and then we, my brother, younger brother and I speak kind of Spanglish. And then we went back to Chile. So it's a very, as many families here and many, you know, people in California, a bilingual, like multicultural household, yeah. And did you go straight to Santiago, Chile? Sí, yes. And I've been there, and it's actually very metropolitan, so mm -hmm. you actually get a little bit of the Spanglish down there, too. 
I think more and more, yeah, for sure. I think especially now, como with, I would say, even younger generations that think and w live a kind of globalized life naturally through internet and through like, you know, social media and stuff, which sounds kind of so cliche, but it's so true because I think 10 years ago, maybe that idea of connecting with the whole world was still kind of new. And I think now it's to have Spanglish or to listen to music from here or there or movies or whatever is a global thing. So every, it's very very much a, a diverse place. It still feels very far away. <laughs> Chile is. It's very isolated. Yeah. Like we would say in Puerto Rico, part of my French, in el culo del mundo. Sí. Oh. Es, es. How would you translate that into English? Help yeah, me. Yeah, you don't want to translate that. No, 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 too vulgar. Okay. Sí, no, it's, o sea, it is Al Final del Mundo. I actually have a song on the new album called like that, Al Final del Mundo. Como it's, it's so, it's in the middle. So it's the sliver that has the ocean on one side and the mountains on the other. And it's beautiful. And it's so Chile is actually, the length of Chile is the width of the US to give you an idea of the length. Oh. My teachers would be so proud. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, so it's a very diverse place in terms of geography and, and, and you know, nature and it's beautiful, uh, but it's very isolated and very unique as every single place in the world is of course, but it has a very unique history and a unique uh, demography. So I think it's, um, it's a place that, you know, we're ev the rest of the world is still discovering, I think. Right. Mm. So you were about 12, like I said, when you wrote one of your first songs, Peces. See, like 13, 14, yeah. So you're this very young teenager. <laughs> Speaking from the heart, mm -hmm. how do you think or why do you think you were so open and vulnerable huh. at such a young age? I mean, I think it makes sense to me that you're more vulnerable and more open when you're younger, no? I think you kind of unlearn it. You learn how to harden yourself and to close yourself off. But in, um, but in all honesty, I think it was just teenage angst. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was, I was writing poetry, writing journals. I, you know, it was great because I was writing a lot of songs and I would show them to my friends and they would like them. And they'd be like, cántala de peces, cántala, cántala. Because it was a song about liking a guy that didn't like you back. So we were all in that situation, you know? So they were like, sing it, sing it. And, um, and it never occurred to me that necessarily that song would be a song that would either play on the radio or allow me to make a career. It was genuinely a confessional, like, Diario de Vida, a journal song that I just wrote in my uniform, like, con la guitarra. And because genuinely this boy I liked didn't like me and I was so angry and upset about it and I wrote that song and eventually five years later it was the first single of the first album in Chile which is where I started my career and but the funny thing is the guy knew it was about him and then when the song became famous in Chile he wrote to me and he because I, I posted it like I don't know if it was like Facebook or YouTube or something and, and he, he goes like grab some coffee no no he was uh -huh. like I'm so glad it turned out well for you Wow. What? I'm like, ah, <laughs> real. I'm like, a ver. Uh -huh. <laughs> so anyway, ahí está, ahí está. What's his name? No. Yeah, let's throw him under no, the bus I, right now. I want to know his name. No secreto. So, well, then that, what kind of headspace do you have to be in to write some of these songs? And mm. how does that come about? I think it's a great question. I love the, the, the topic of creativity, ¿verdad? Como there wasn't something and then there was something. Like, how did that happen? <laughs> I think in my case with songs, it, it, it depends on the moment and depends on the song in the sense that I think in general, if I'm in like a comfortable, open space and something, I'm trying to think like some song, I guess, okay, so when some songs come very impulsively, like from the gut, 
And I think anyone who writes anything feels that, no? It's like, it sounds kind of cheesy and cliche, but it's like kind of cathartic, and it just comes out. Sometimes when that happens, in my case with songs, the song is usually like 90% done in one sitting. It's like a smart, an unconsciously smart song that comes by itself. And that's great. That happens sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Some other songs eh, come from a place where I'm more conscious of a subject I want to talk about. Eh, and if that's the case, it'll be like sit down, play around with either the computer, the piano, the guitar or something, and think about a subject, think about maybe there's, a, there's something I wrote down that I like, maybe there's a word, sometimes it's a phonetic point of starting the song also I love like certain words that make me I don't know that's like kind of rhythmic or phonetic sometimes I'll write a song with someone else and that'll be a totally different journey and it can be something as fun and simple of like you know I've been going through this thing recently I'm thinking about this situation should we write about this or it can be something like I love this new song that so-and-so put out, like how cool to write a song like this. So it really feels very free and very open. I think the, the biggest obstacle is yourself, really, when you're writing, no? like to not think about the judgment that maybe you can put on yourself while you're making it because it's like you have to be just in this playful state, open, where you can kind of make something and not be like, oh, you know, as you're making it. So then maybe after you edit, after you judge it, after you figure out if it'll be good or not, whatever that means. But in the meantime, you just kind of have to make it and go with it. Right. Yeah. You touch upon very different themes. You talk about machismo, uh-huh. buen soldado. Sí. You talk about ya no se trata de ti, mm-hmm. which is talking about leaving a toxic relationship, yeah. an unhealthy relationship. Yeah. Tómame, which I love because <laughs> it's sensual and it's about, you know, I'm a woman and come and take me. Mm-hmm. Um, and also like Flotando, which is your new single. Mm-hmm. It's about, it's such a beautiful love song. It's I about giving you. yourself completely. Mm-hmm. So are you really open? Are you an open book when it comes to your lyrics and to your songs? Or is there any holding back sometimes? Ah, mira. Huh, I don't know. I guess it's a good question. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> of course it's did, a good did, question. Did you guys hear that? Yeah. Thank you. No, it's because I think you never think about, I mean, I never think about myself that much to notice what I'm doing or not. You know what I mean? I'm just kind of like writing the song. I guess I would say pretty much an open book in the songs. I think once I get to talking about it, it's a different thing. And then again, I feel like I have songs that are of different nature. So for example, I put an album out recently called La Fortaleza and the album is, it's, ay gracias. And the album is basically a very, um, sincere journey of of darkness into the light and it's very confessional and I didn't notice it was so vulnerable and so real until I began to have to talk about it and it was so uncomfortable because some of the songs are very 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 sad and they they someone would ask me a question about it I talk about it but then they ask me something else or make me get defensive and it was so hard to switch back and forth and there it was the first time ever that I thought about huh how open am I in songs or not? And then there's some songs that are much more narrative or much more literary or political and they have a different kind of discourse and message and that's so much easier to express because you're like, this song exists in this universe with this message, this is what is important, this is why I wrote it. But other songs that are kind of more messy and more internal and more visceral, I'm not really sure. And sometimes the song is smarter than me and it comes out (laughs) and I write it and then I talk about it and I'm like, huh. That's what I meant. That's what was happening. Huh? No, no sabia. Therapy. Free. For me. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, wow, okay. So it's interesting how, how I think it is 
very uh, open and very confessional. But I think that's where I'm open and I think I'm more reserved in other, in other areas, in other ways. I have to mention, you said some songs are smarter than you. <laughs> See? But they come from you. I know, but it's like, but it's like they happen by themselves sometimes, you know? It's like, I remember, for example, I think about Ya No Se Trata De Ti, eh, of the new album. Or No Alcanzo, which is kind of a song that has a lot of parts and it has like a, an eight-piece string octet on it. And it's like this whole thing that I wanted to make. And they're both very, very intimate, sad, distraught, yet kind of hopeful songs. A lot of lyrics, a lot of music. And I don't remember exactly the moment when I wrote it. You know what I mean? Like, I remember pieces of it. And of course, and it sounds like I blacked out. No, no, no. It's like, I, it's... <laughs> It's, it's just how it is and I think anybody that's creative knows you're kind of in it and you just kind of go with it and somehow it wasn't there and then it was there and of course it's you of course it's yours of course I connect and I have a relationship with it and I understand and I built it but I'm not fully conscious of every single word that I'm putting every single way you just kind of have to flow with it and I think it's like I think that's part of the challenge when you do something creative that you're in that fine balance of being aware and conscious and like managing it, navigating and also letting yourself go with it so it happens and it feels good and it feels natural and exciting because if not, you're kind of obstructing that flow. It sounds like a drug. It is kind of, I guess. <laughs> not that I know yeah. anything about that. <laughs> so I hear. I mean, it is. And that's why also it, you have to be in a space that's kind of safe. I, I have this. So a friend of mine who's a producer when I arrived to LA, I never worked outside of Chile before. And I came to LA and worked with this really great, very well-known producer. And in my mind, I'd only worked in Chile the way I knew how to work, which was like with my band in a studio and it was very traditional and it was very, eh, como, I don't know. I, won't, I don't want to say like competitive or aggressive, but it was very like, we're gonna you know, play the song, we're gonna record it and that's it and we're not gonna talk about it and da da da. Kind of just like very, very pragmatic. And I arrived to LA and I work with this producer and he takes me to his studio and he has this beautiful house. And he's like, we're gonna work. And I'm like, so what time are we gonna work? And he goes, well, we're gonna work maybe, I don't know, after lunch, come in the morning, we're gonna have something to eat, have a coffee, we'll start working. I'm like, what do you mean we're not working immediately? He goes, no, we're just gonna listen to some music, like get in the mood. I'm like, get in the mood for what? <laughs> you know? And he slowly taught me how this space where you create and collaborate though you're doing something professional, has to also be a space where you feel free and comfortable wow. and where you feel that it's sacred. Sacred, I'm not going to get like sacred, but sacred in the sense that you want to protect that space because if you feel uncomfortable creatively, you don't really want to show yourself. You know, it, it doesn't matter if it's a song that has around the world for three minutes or a song that has a lyric, a Leonard Cohen lyric. You know, I think both need equal room to exist. And so working with him was like, oh, wow, like I can work a few hours and we have to create a space where it feels good and I can think about my um, creative self and take care of it also. Acknowledge it. Because before it felt like a luxury to acknowledge being creative, you know? Like in Chile, at least, I had never really met those people or had those conversations or understood the craft that had also that kind of more emotional side to it. You know, it was like, it was an accident that I was successful. <laughs> you know what I mean like you shouldn't make it so conscious it has right. to you know but then it was like okay and LA the community of people I've worked with here has has taught me those things and showed me those things 
Well, there's a lot that has happened. I mean, I first met you in 2008. It was at an LAMC yes. in New York. And I think it was your first LAMC. And I'm like... Sí. And, and first I time went, out of Chile performing. Right. Yes, yes, yes. And yes. I went back and heard that interview and I asked the question. It's like, well, where I give did it these away, songs so. come from? <laughs> and But you said something very prolific. And it was just basically from your experiences. See, sí, see. Sí. And that was something that, that a lot of people, you know, like I said, you, you kind of like put yourself in, in a room and you try to write lyrics or whatever, but you just spoke from the heart. Mm -hmm. And that first album was pretty incredible because they were your stories. They're still your stories. Yeah. Four albums later, how has your music evolved to today? <laughs> a lot. I think the stories are still mine. The experience is still mine. Like the the vertebrae is still of the whole project is still me and the essence is there. But I think it's like life, no? Like you grow, you try new things, you explore, you 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 have your hair short, then it's long. The same thing with albums, right? Like one album, you do one thing, another you do another. Um, I do think I've grown so much in the sense of as a performance, as, as a, someone that performs, I think I've grown to love performing and to understand the, the role of a performer. I think I've also grown in terms of my ability to sing, my ability to be on stage, my, um, my skills as someone that produces or writes, things that you acquire as a craft that you practice. Um, but I think that the gist, like the starting point is very similar still. It's that experience, is that emotion, it's that kind of raw, bleh, just way of being true and just showing yourself and, and following that impulse to create something. But we have definitely seen your, how comfortable you now feel on stage. Because <laughs> yeah. we've, we've seen your journey. Many mm -hmm. times Witnessed on stage. Your journey. Mi, mi and you've always <laughs> had great stage presence, but every year it's like, whoa, whoa. Yeah. It's like, how do you overcome your fears? How do you overcome your insecurities? Because mm -hmm. it's not easy standing up I mean, you've you've sang with Bono. Like, it's mm -hmm. not easy standing up on stage in front of thousands of people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How do you overcome those fears and those insecurities? It's not easy at all. No, I, um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm thinking it's I. There are many things that contribute to feeling better and prepared. One is actually preparing. Like, you know, I think we just had a festival de Viña del Mar in last week, which is a big, big festival in Chile, which is televised throughout the region. It's like a Eurovision, I think, in my mind, kind of similar because you have a competition and everyone watches and it's a big thing. For that one, I was very nervous. I was very nervous because it's a, it's a very important stage in my country, in Chile, in the region. It's a very big televised show. It's supposed to be entertaining, spectacular, da, da, da. It's, there's a political situation in Chile currently that was also very heated. So for that thinking of the actual fear or nerves I had, I was like, okay, I have to prepare for the stage in terms of rehearsing, getting together the show, understanding what I was going to do, like really putting in the work to make myself feel as prepared as possible so I can actually be kind of comfortable giving all I can give on stage and not thinking about it so much once that moment comes. Um, which I imagine is like with every craft you do, no? You kind of put those hours in and you begin to have a toolbox which you can pull from. But I think the nerves are always there. I think kind of trying to be, it's going to sound so kind of Buddhist, uh, but uh, trying to be present, really. Like, for example, right after Viña, the following day, I sang with Alejandro Sanz. Alejandro Sanz invited me to sing a song with him. I'm a big fan of Alejandro Sanz, like he, super. He's a huge Spanish artist. Like super big fan. I grew up in high school listening to his albums, como El Poster, como Lo Amamos. And... <laughs> 
So I was like, okay, cool, I'm gonna go. We had performed the night before, it was like a marathon, we had a panel in the morning, I had no time to study, and I'm thinking, oh no, I have to learn the song. So I was like, how am I going to prepare? How am I going to enjoy this and not be stressed out? So I'm like in the van from Viña going to Santiago to do the show. And I'm like rehearsing the song, rehearsing the song. And I get there and I'm thinking, how am I not going to regret this? Because when I get so nervous, like anyone in my team will tell you, I'll be like on stage before going to stage, I'm like, no, 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 me arrepiento. Yeah. I want to go home. Just to like turn it off. You know, I want to go home Abort and watch Netflix. No show tonight. No, no, no. I want to watch Netflix, put on pajamas and not have to say, you know, deal with anyone else. Um, and I genuinely feel that, you know. So I was there and I was thinking like, okay, I'm going to go on stage. And Alejandro Sanz <laughs> is going to look at me <laughs> and hear me sing. And I was thinking like, I have to just think that A, I have this opportunity and I'm good enough for this opportunity. Which is gonna sound again so like preachy, but truly it's something you have to tell yourself, no? Like, I am worthy of this opportunity. It'll be great. I have to enjoy this. Like Alejandro, say my name, say it again. <laughs> yeah, my name. You know what I mean? Second <laughs> like second, it'll be <laughs> fun this is what i like to do no and connect to that um, connect to that and do it however you want to do it so i be, i kind of go through those, those those moments in my head very briefly just to kind of reconnect to the moment and to try to make myself i don't want to use the word validate but to like convince myself that it makes sense and that it's worth whatever nerves or discomfort because anyone who is a musician knows that touring is grueling that unless you're actually bono it's majority of the time horrible conditions and it has to make it worthwhile you know and to really feel that the good things and focus on the good things whether it's the songs the show the singing the performing the team you're with the place you're in try to focus on those things and I think you begin to get a threshold I genuinely think that there are a few things that really really freak me out and I've had a lot of things happen to me on stage a lot I've gotten you know stuff thrown at me I've been in the middle of a, of a fight yeah what stuff bottles cans I've been in the middle of a fight, like fights have broken out during sets, like hardcore fights. You know, I've fallen on stage, I've been sick. I mean, there's so many things. So at one point it's like, genuinely right now, it's like, I'm like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's I'm the like, glamorous life of touring. The glamorous life of touring. And it's also, it's like life. Like if you show yourself as you are, I imagine that we all go through the same stuff, so it's fine, you know? And when you're up there or on a stage or singing, it's great. It's, it's empowering, it's emotional, it's truth. But then also, it's like, you have perspective and you know that no one's gonna, you know, you're not a heart surgeon, you know what <laughs> I mean? No one's, life is literally in your hands at that moment. If something happens, it's okay. Well, we've seen your stage performance many, many times. And being a DJ, mm -hmm. I can kind of relate to it a little bit mm -hmm. because there's so much dynamics in your performance where at one point it's very electronic, the mm -hmm. full band is up there, and then you basically kind of shoo them away, and then it's just <laughs> basically you and a keyboard up there. Uh -huh. And it's like this, you're up here, then you're down here, you're creating this drama mm. with your performances. Mm. Mm. Is that something that you think about, like even when you're writing the songs, it's like, oh yeah, this is the way I'm gonna perform this, or then I'm gonna switch it up this way? I love that question and I appreciate that because there is thought put into that process for sure. More than the moment with the songs, I do think when I put the show together, I do think about those things and it's I love thinking journey. about those things. Yeah. It is a whole journey and also a journey from the side of the, per of the creator. So let's say, how do I showcase all these things? How do I create dynamic? How do I keep it um, exciting? But also like a spectator, like I begin to notice what, which things I like 
as a spectator of a performance or a show and try to identify that and try to bring that into the show that I'm making also. Um, and because lastly, I genuinely like to do all those different things. I like to dance with the full band. I like to have the songs which are more kind of, I want to say more rock and roll based or like when the band is is fully just like playing loud and then there's songs that the band's kind of in the back and I have dancers and there are songs where it's just me and the piano or me and the backup singers. So it's taking those things that I like and then also kind of just going through them and refining them and fleshing them out till they feel like a, like a solid proposal, you know? Mm -hmm. And that it's blindado as bulletproof as we can make it on stage. One thing I absolutely admire from you is how you're all about female empowerment. Mm -hmm. <laughs> However, as women in the industry, mm -hmm. it can be very conflicting sometimes owning your femininity, mm -hmm. owning your sensuality and your sexuality, mm -hmm. and wanting to express that and mm -hmm. feeling comfortable with that, but not being part of objectifying women mm -hmm. and over-sexualizing mm -hmm. women. Do you struggle with that? And if so, how mm -hmm. do you balance it out? What I tend to talk about when we talk about this specific issue, which I think is so important. So, for example, I have this platform called Ridosa, which is a festival and a platform that um, seeks female empowerment for women in the creative arts in Latin America. And we do festivals, we do seminars, we do research, we do a whole bunch of stuff. And one of the questions I got a lot when I started doing this was like, you don't want girls to be in bikinis, do you? And you know, I go, and they would begin to like do these pr provocative questions like, what about this artist that's always doing this and this? And I'm like, mira, the important thing here is that every single woman does what she wants to do. Come on. Second, don't judge her for doing what she wants to do. Como calladito. And third, and third is that I don't, I love seeing her in the bikini. I would love to wear the bikini too. What I don't want is an industry which is only promoting or leaving space for one type of person or one type of project, ¿verdad? So what you would want to see is, claro, sí, and we love all sorts of music and I love all sorts of artists and I celebrate them all. The thing is, I don't want an industry that is perpetuating one ideal only or exclusively, ¿verdad? So I think that that's the issue. And I think that the rest is como cada uno, como dice en Chile, como cada loco con su tema, you know? <laughs> claro, sí. Wow. You have mad style. That's really kind of <laughs> what it comes down to also. It's like not just the brains, the power, the Ay, music, no. the musicianship, but also your style. You mean you, all my LA vintage finds? Everything. You know, it's, Recycling the way, fashion? it's the way of putting it together. And you even had a clothing line as well, right? In Chile for a minute, we did a collaboration with a local brand, which was great. And we did um, two lines, yeah, for one, one year. I mean, it's colorful, it's vibrant, and it's basically everything that kind of you embody on stage. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And why did you want to do that? That came because um, the, the, this brand, this local brand in Chile, asked me to be like the face of the brand, like to do an endorsement and do the ads and everything. And I was like, sure, that sounds great. And then we did one season of that. And then they came again and were like, can we hire you to be the face? I'm like, great, why don't we also do a collaboration? Because <laughs> nice. I would love to be more involved or, or, or do something with this relationship that we can, that can be more creative. And so they were like, yeah, that's great. And we put together two lines and, and we did uh, like takeovers of the stores and pop-up stuff. And, you know, we had like DJs come in and DJ in the store. And I we, wasn't invited. I uh, know. I mean, all the way to Chile, amigo. All the way to Chile. <laughs> and so it was, um, it was a great collaboration in a different line, like area, creative area, which worked out um, well for that 
year. Yeah, it was great. But you're so involved in everything that has to do with creativity around See. your career. Uh-huh. All of your album covers the, you've done, um, you're, you dress yourself, a lot of the videos you've helped direct. Yeah. Is that like a control thing? Or <laughs> just Terapia. wondering, because you know, some women, Terapia. we like to be in Therapy. control. See, de toda manera. Wait, I, sea, I, I, did you see that like I, yeah, late reaction from women? Like, to, like, what? Oh yeah, uh, oh, I yeah, yeah, like yeah, to yeah, be yeah. in control. <laughs> Control, I don't know that word. <laughs> I think, yes, on the one hand, there is a control thing for sure. Para bien o para mal. But I think also it's been a natural progression in certain things. For example, with the videos, I only kind of officially directed starting last year of Tomame. But that happened because we were in LA, actually. And I put together a team and I was looking for a director and I found her and she got a Netflix show obviously super cool and she's like bye I'm like yes go but then we had no one to direct the video and then my director of photography who was an Argentinian uh, uh, man he's he goes you should direct it and I was like no you don't say dirigir amigo no sé and he goes like yeah no no you you have the storyboard you know what you want you just like sit down and direct it I was like hmm and I think I had never been in that conversation before and so I literally went home and googled how to direct <laughs> and googled shot lists and googled frames and googled all that to have some basic language um to not be 100 ignorant with you know the technical stuff and he helped me out and i directed that first video and then that made sense to me because what i felt when i saw the video when i finished editing it was like that it was what i imagined and it felt good it felt it felt coherent to me and i hadn't felt that in other videos before mm. and i was like huh that's interesting i never felt the need to do that So that's how it's been so far since that video. So it's been four so far in that kind of, um, with collaborators, obviously co-directors, amazing you know, photography directors, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but in a role where I kind of imagine and believe more in the vision that I think would go with the song. And it's such a fun video. Check it out on YouTube. Yeah. We actually filmed it right here. Upstairs. Really? Upstairs. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Shh, you're not supposed to say where we're at. No, oh, no, no, I'm so it. sorry. We'll bleep, we'll bleep it. We'll bleep it. I we'll filmed it here it. in this mysterious space with no yes. name. <laughs> this is Francisca Valenzuela, everybody. Make some noise, first of all. Uh, so we are going to open it up to some questions from the audience in just a little bit, but we have this tradition mm -hmm. at room number seven that we do to all the artists where we ask Siete Preguntas. And Vivo from Qué room susto. number seven. Yeah. So these are seven questions. We ask them to all our guests. Rapid fire. Don't think about them too much, okay? I, I'm ahead. really bad you, at this You can part. ask the first one. Okay. Pre-show ritual. Warm up with singers and or dancers. A huddle with the band. And I'm those people that eat before a show, weirdly enough. I'm like, I need my food. Okay. Yeah, because even before we started, you're all like, I'm going to go get like a piece of pizza or yeah. something. <laughs> I, did, I, went, I got ramen after Ooh, okay, all. Okay, ramen. Yeah. Ramen's good. All Ramen's right. great, yeah. Um, okay, so what was the first album that you bought, borrowed, stole, whatever? The first uh, CD, like album, album I have. In that era, in that moment, it was a few. One was uh, Machiavelli, Tupac. Wow, hey, that's a good one. All right. Unexpected, I know. <laughs> Yet it was. Um, See, we love that it's hip hop roots. That's great. <laughs> um, I had Mariah Carey Fantasy. Silvio Rodriguez, Ooh. Grandes Éxitos, eh, Grease, 
which do you remember that soundtrack was it's really big Grease is the word. and um and then i think around that time elenis morris said also jagged little pill Porque la madre, la madre, la madre. that's a good one okay who is your musical crush and it could be a girl a guy whatever and why dead alive so many so many i think um a tie between prince in my in my home we love him we have an altar of prince and uh violeta parra Chile, just because I always think of her and think of how she writes and the com just the raw, raw, raw sheer emotion that in the end is like three chords in a truth. Um, and then there's so many others. I mean, I really think about like Kate Bush or Bjork or Julieta Venegas. I mean, there's so many that in their trajectory, I feel like I respect and admire because they've been able to create and be true to themselves and also evolve and have a career that's like they do what they want. If there was somebody on the planet, dead or alive again, that you would like to go have a drink with or a tea or a coffee with. Or a Jack Daniels. Yeah, a shot ah. of Jack Daniels. Single barrel select on the rocks. Who would that be? Mm, Frida Kahlo. Ooh, that's a good Maybe. one. That's a good on a one. good day. On, a, on, on a, one of her good days. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah. But Frida Kahlo, I'm thinking. I'm all thinking about amazing women artists that I love. But then I'm like, or would they be a bit upset that day? <laughs> but then again, we can be upset together. We can right. all have our anxieties together. Rant together. <laughs> you've played at Lollapalooza. You've played with Bono from U2. <laughs> Any cool backstage anecdotes that you can share with us? They say Bono because I had this surreal, bizarre experience in Chile years ago where um you two came for the last tour and they were inviting in each place that they went a local artist to perform with them a song on stage and so on my end this is what happens on my end what i receive is i get a call from <laughs> from someone at their label which at, the, at this moment i don't remember which one it was and they go francisca we're calling you on behalf of you two we want to send you a car and I, I was i was at the university i was studying at the time i did not finish the university but anyway i was studying at the university and they go, we're sending you a car. I'm thinking, what for? They go, no, there's an event with you too. And I'm thinking, in my mind, I'm thinking, ah, they're, they're trying to get like local artists to come and have like a press conference and talk about you too. And I was like, this was the weekend of my birthday. And I go, ah, I can't go. I have, I compré empanadas and I have a birthday party right now. <laughs> and they're like, no, 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 we're sending you a car. We're sending you a car. They send me a car to my university. I'm on the, like, my backpack on. Oh my and I'm like, okay, cool. I get in the car. They take me to the national stadium. This is a this is the day before the concert, the day, the national stadium, and I get out and I'm received by their actual manager and their whole staff. And they go, "We want to invite you to do a project with us." And I was like, "Bah!" And I'm looking for the other artists. I'm like, "Qué? Qué pasó?" And we go inside and they sit me down and they go, "Well, we are doing this tour and we want someone to sing and write and record an opening song for the South American tour. Can you do it?" And I'm like, sure, when? Like, now. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean now? I'm like, where? They're like, we have a studio set up in the other room in the National Stadium. And I was like, with my backpack on, I'm like, eh. and I was like, I can try. And, 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 and I'm like, if it doesn't work out, you can call someone else. <laughs> and they're like, okay. So we go into the studio and they show me this, this song that they had, like the instrumental. And they go, can you write something on this? At this point, I hadn't even asked why they had invited me. Like, I knew nothing. I was just kind of trying to go through it. I was just like, just push through, make this happen. I don't know what's happening right now. We're just going to say yes. 
And I'm like, and the empanadas are waiting. <laughs> and priorities. Priorities. And then so I end up doing, I end up going like through the taparra. We end up choosing some bits and of, of some fragments of her work. I begin to sing some melodies. They like it. We record it. We're recording it. And then Bono comes in and he has his glasses on, of course. And he goes, I love this. This is so great. Thank you for doing this for us. And then we'd start talking and it was amazing. He was so wonderful. And then they go, we also want to invite you to sing a song tomorrow with us live. And I was like, just say one that I know. Just say one that I know. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I would love to. This is amazing. And it was incredible. And it was so surreal because they were genuinely so incredible. We got to share a whole weekend with them, with their whole crew. They're a really amazing family that really taught me how to be professional and be so open and genuine with every single human that was there. And just every single trail of what they were doing, where they left, was a positive one. And that's really something incredible, that attention to detail, I think, especially in our lines of work, you know. I got to sing with them, and it was funny because it was the stage that was 360. And so we're underneath the stage, and the manager comes, and he goes, Francisca, we're so happy to have you with us. Just, you know, enjoy the moment. You know, be professional. Just be calm. Don't fuck up. Yeah. Yeah, and be I'm like, calm. I'm like, be I'm, calm. Like, I'm calm. In, I'm calm. in front Don't of how many worry. people? 80,000 maybe That's or something. Yeah, no, no, no and this is like soccer, you know? Like if I mess this up, if I fuck this up, Chile will not forgive me ever. Wow. It's like being from like the soccer players, you know? I was thinking this is my responsibility. It's like, you know, I'm under the stage and he goes, just be calm. And I'm like, I'm calm. I got this. He gives me the microphone and they introduce me and I kid you not, I'm like, I bolt on stage like, and I run on stage and I'm like, yes! And the whole audience goes, you know and then I sang the song and it was a beautiful song that um, is One Tree Hill where Bono because he's very you know versed in Latin American culture and he knows a lot about Chile and Victor Jara and all our history so it was a song that talks about this so it was really really emotional super special my uncle you know called me in the morning I was like I was in the audience I can't believe you were there you know um, so it was it was great and we got to share the weekend with them and it was totally surreal experience the funny thing is about a year later I Ran into Bono on a plane in Lima. Of course he did. I mean, no, but I was like, <laughs> hi, Bono, row 1A. I'm like, hi, 40K, right? <laughs> and um, <laughs> true, you know, glamour, glamour. And so, um, but he was so sweet. He's like, how are you doing? How's your career going? I'm like, good, good. Thank you for asking. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I know. I just came to Machu Picchu with my family. I'm like, that's great. I'm like, did you enjoy it? Yeah, cool. Okay. Um, so yeah, it was it was amazing, and they were lovely, and we had Send a blast. Send some champagne too. Yeah. Yeah, 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 Send me your leftovers. Forty K wants yeah, yeah. them. Champagne. No, they were they were incredible, and it was an amazing and amazing experience, and um, they were so generous, and it was like it's a it's a great memory. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so <laughs> for this next question, we need a volunteer. Just someone there? who has a phone. You don't have to. Their talk. first time don't here. Worry. Their first time here. Anybody here in the front? Your first time. You got it, your cell phone? Yeah, I do. Set the timer. Set the timer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Set the timer. Yep. All right, wait. What kind of timer? <laughs> there a are timer many. for seven seconds. Seven so, seconds So, Francisca, what is, your, what is your biggest song, your biggest hit? Right, if you had to pick one. No, 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 no. no. Wait, 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 wait. Um, what defines yeah? a hit, Raul Campos? Your favorite song to do. You buen know. soldado, no? Yeah. Sí, buen soldado. Okay. Let's go that one, yeah. All right. So you have seven seconds to sing as much of the verse or the chorus as but, possible. But is this like the idea is for me to sing as much as possible or just yeah. sing a part? No, no, no. As fast, fast oh, like, as you can like chipmunk in seven style. seconds. Yeah. Ready? Yeah. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. Three, two, one. 
¿Cuánto me consigo lo que quiero? ¿Cuánto me consigo yo un éxito en este lugar? De perdidos, prohibidos, destruidos, prohibidos. Porque estaba mal y yo ya no soy igual. No soy igual. ¡Hey! Oh. ¡Wow! Speaking Impressive. fast. Benefits this one challenge. <laughs> Last but not least, we ask every artist who comes here to leave a question for the next artist. And our last artist was Bostich from Norte Collective. And obviously he didn't know who our guest was, but his question was, what song changed your life? What a great question. It's like you want to say so many, but I think that it's a combo of You Ought to Know, Alanis Morissette, and Los Momentos, eh, Gatti, de Chile. Because it's one, it's one of the few songs I learned on guitar first, and it was just a circular... A, like a song of four chords and a lot of lyrics and it was very emotional and very poetic and I think I never understood a song like that before and I think it influenced a lot of how I write wow so now then you get to leave a question for the next mm. guest that we're gonna have which we don't even know yet um what do what does what does she he they do in the face of self-doubt as an artist? How do they maintain Ooh. that commitment to wow. being creative? Love it. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Francisca Valenzuela. Thank you. <laughs> we now open it up to the audience. I need the wireless on. Over there in the back. All the way to the back? Don't be scared. Neil has a British accent. Hi. I want to circle back to the question that Pili asked, and she said, or you said, that the songs that come out of you are smarter than you. Because <laughs> I love this. This is, this is showing that you and other artists are channeling something greater than what is in your mind, is in your own intelligence. Can you, can you kind of speak to the feeling that you feel mm -hmm. when you are... I would say you're channeling these words. Can you speak more to this? Because I, I find this fascinating. <laughs> it's, it's interesting because I said that, but I'm like, wow, words have an impact, man. <laughs> you know, I think that what I'm trying to say, I guess, is that sometimes there's a space that's free and unconscious and playful, and it's good to respect that space, I guess, and let, let it exist freely. There's an amazing uh, talk that Vicente, my, my husband, showed me that John Cleese did. I think I've, he'll be much more um, eloquent in illustrating what I'm trying to say. And he had this amazing talk, which is not a TED talk, but it's because it's like previous to that, but it's from the 70s. And he talks about creativity. And he talks about these two kind of states, this playful, creative state, per se, and then the executive state, which is the doer, right? Which is like, I have my script, I shall sell it. I have my song, I shall promote it, you know? And that in that creative space, where you're free, you have to like just be bored almost. And what I mean by be bored is like just have space. And that's why when you think about like the old poets or people like, like look at the clouds and, and so when I, so you can't necessarily chant, like funnel all that information and what you're feeling into this, this form. It kind of just happens amorphously, you know? And you have to create the conditions for that to happen so you can make it happen a lot. <laughs> and make it happen good, you know? And then you have the executive self, which John Cleese really funnily illustrated, which is like, I gotta go sell my thing, I gotta make it so it's good, and I have to edit. And then there is when the you that thinks that it's smart 
<laughs> begins to operate over the other part, you know? Thank you. No, nice thank question. you. Uh, the first time I saw you, you played at the Mexican consulate, and it was just you ah, and a keyboard. See, si, see, si, si. And it was beautiful. I think so. You. I wanted to ask you, like, how is it toggling? an audience that's small and then like to like Lollapalooza where mm -hmm. I saw a video and it was incredible like the magnitude of people you had. It's different and it's the same. It's the same in the sense that I think I, I like to look at people when I'm playing and what, but what I mean by that is like when I do that it doesn't matter if it's a lot of people or, or, or less people and in that sense like I think I, I, I try to connect or enjoy it the same way. I think the way I approach it differently is how, like the energy level for sure on the one hand I think that when I'm playing by myself with the piano it's like it's almost as if it was the, the kind of the, the living room of my house no I can be relaxed I can kind of sink into that moment whereas if it's a festival I am aware that this is like an energy that has to that the energy no even if it's slow or fast has to be like concentrated you know I can't let it dilute because it's like I don't know. It's it, there's too much, too many people there. It can't, it can't, it can't become languid. Um, but I don't know. I think sometimes even smaller crowds make me nervous than bigger crowds. Really, to be honest, yeah. you know. Does, do you feel that too? Totally. Like yeah. On the radio, I speak to like tens of thousands or whatever. But if I'm in front of like two or five mm -hmm. or ten people, it's like wow, nerve wracking. Nerve wracking. And if you know them, it's even worse. Right. It's like mama no vengas. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so I think it's more, I think about the differences in the artistic side, how you prepare the show, how relaxed you are in that preparation, how big the show is or not. And I think also in the entertainment factor. I think if it's intimate, I, I think that it's freer to kind of talk and connect in a slow motion kind of way. And if it's something big, I don't have that luxury really. You know, it's like, it's very hard for me to expect the last person in a crowd of, I don't know how many people to be like, yeah, I want to hear, I hear that note really clearly. You know, it has to be more of like a, a more aggressive, I guess, clear graphic punch. Hi everybody, my name is Carla. Hola, I'm Carla. from Leva Pavilion. Uh, my question is, uh, if you had the opportunity to perform anywhere in the world, whether it was a city, a country, a <gasps> festival, a venue, where would it be? Oh, what a good question. LA. <laughs> <laughs> right here, right now. Yeah. Yay! <laughs> or a Levitt um, Pavilion. Yeah, exactly. Or a Levitt Pavilion, yeah. Levitt Pavilion, too. Um, no sé, realmente. Because I think about the experiences I have had, and everything is so unexpected, no? So, for example, I've had amazing opportunities to perform in things like I did a, a tour and some shows with Inti Yimani, which is a Chilean folk band, very, very famous, legendary, and they did Pompeii, and I was invited to sing with them in the ruins of Pompeii. Wow. That would be like the show you want to do in the, your dream. Like, do you want to play in Pompeii with Inti Yimani and the Orchestra of Naples? And it was like, yes, and it was the fantasy, and so that happened already. Wow. And it was incredible, and it was a gift that came through Inti Yimani that invited me to go with them. So that was amazing, which is already like checked off. But then I think about all the unexpected things, whether it's like a club, like we had this in Chile, eh, there's a big festival that was canceled last minute. And because of poor promoters and poor production, like the production was so, so precarious and they canceled last minute and we decided to do a show anyway. And we like rented out a club and did it anyway. And it was one of the best shows I've ever had. And it was a small club and it was just like so sweaty and so much fun. I would kind of have that happen everywhere all the time. It doesn't matter where. 
because it was so unexpected and so just lo-fi but amazing amazing it was so amazing and the expectation was just to enjoy ourselves you know purely and play as long as we wanted to and that was i think that would be something that i would love to that set that feeling to reproduce that in whatever stage and then maybe another Pompeii ah, or something else you know it was just in nature or something bizarre and, and incredible where you're like under the stars and something absolutely surreal is always a, a great unexpected experience well there's been so many great performances that we've seen you at and I'm sure we'll see you at so many other ones but please give a big <laughs> round of applause to the one and only Francisca Valenzuela <laughs> Gracias for checking out our podcast. Hey, and special thanks to Ulises El Licenciado Lozano for our amazing theme song. Our mix and recording engineer, Mario Diaz. Our artistic director, Dak. And can't forget about our sponsors, Pili. No, Raul, United Airlines, Sure Microphones, and Jack Daniels. Gracias for supporting La Musica Latina. And for more information and other episodes, be sure to subscribe to our podcast at Pili, Raul, and La Musica. Hey, make sure to tell your tía, abuelo, primas, everybody to subscribe. A todos. Thank you.